there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, now, before we kick off today's episode, super excited to let you know, drum roll please, that the second Japan Real Estate Summit is officially on in exactly three weeks' time as of the publication of this episode, Sunday, October 22nd, in Tokyo again, but a more convenient spot this time around, a conference space in Shibuya. Now, Blanca and Matt cannot be with us, unfortunately, due to personal reasons, which is also why we took so long to announce the event, as we had to wait for their final confirmation and then hammer out the details of their absence. But that has now been confirmed. So while we here at NTI are not the Akia or abandoned home experts uh, that Matt is, we've certainly helped people buy quite a few of those over the years, as well as manage renovation projects on behalf of many of our buyers. And similarly, while Tracy isn't really running a renovation and reform company, she certainly has helped a great many people in Japan turn older and newer homes into modern and convenient environments for short-term rental purposes. She's got a superb eye for detail when it comes to interior design, um, as does Emil from a family home perspective, which is his bread and butter. So between the three of us, we'll hopefully be able to fill at least some of the chasm that Blanca and Matt have left behind them. Now, what this means for you is that the event will be a bit shorter this time around, 1 to 5 p.m., so you get to wake up late, and your in-person tickets will not include lunch this time around as well, just soft drinks, which also makes the ticket a lot cheaper. So there is a silver lining. We're now in the process of trying to find a nearby um, bar slash izakaya style drinks and dining venue so that anyone among us who's interested will be able to continue chatting and socializing in a more free-flowing network kind of environment after the official event. So we'll let you know as soon as uh, that one's been sourced. Very happy to receive recommendations and introductions to such venues, by the way. So feel free to drop them in the comment section of wherever you're tuning in from. Now, what all of this means is that tickets are just 3,500 yen this time around, 2,000 yen for a streaming ticket if you can't make it in person. Now, streaming will also be done professionally this time around, which means that I won't have to um, run around like a headless chicken constantly, and I will be free to chat during the breaks as well. Uh, Presentation topic-wise, Emil will preach some more about family homes and mortgages in general, and of course, a deeper dive into what these purchases look like in Tokyo specifically. 
Tracy is going to break down the legal and logistical aspects and licensing aspects of running a short-term stay business in Japan. And I'm going to be discussing various asset classes for investment purposes, who uh, and what are they good for and what makes for a good portfolio mix. We'll also have a Q&A panel, of course, which is the part of the agenda that most people get the most value of, as they can pick our uh, experts brain directly. But of course, as always, the real value of this event isn't in our um, official presentations, especially for those who can attend it in person, but also for those among you on the Zoom streaming chat. The real value here is in the people that you will meet, the people who will be participating. So gathering together with like-minded individuals who are all interested in Japan's real estate property market uh, for a whole bunch of different or similar reasons is the main reason we're holding these events. So while the real magic happens is really with the people that you're going to meet in person or virtually at the event itself. Now we're limited to about 80 seats, similar to last time. And if last time is any indication, those definitely might run out. We won't be able to sell tickets on the door again, as always. So if you are interested, you could pause it, playback right now, hop over to realestate.jp, Emil's company, who is also sponsoring the event, and reserve your tickets. The ticketing page should be up and running by the time you hear this, but even if it isn't, there will be a button there to uh, reserve your spot via email. Okay, so for the real episode now, uh, this one, similar to the summit, is a JREP conversation. And the catalyst for it was the fact that we, Chikako and myself, have recently applied for and been granted our first investment loan here in Japan. So uh, for the purpose of purchasing a new residential apartment building. Now, while recording, I didn't have the uh, information in front of me. So I'll give it to you. Uh, I'll give you the lowdown now in the intro. It's a nine units, three floors, wooden structure, no elevator. So the topic of the discussion we had this time was investment loans. Uh, when and who should get those, how applications are assessed, um, who can qualify, what's the difference between borrowing for an investment as individuals versus borrowing as a commercial entity, what terms and conditions they come with, how to form and maintain relationships with banks and bankers in Japan, borrowing amounts and types of properties that are easier to get approval for and why. And also, how does the purpose of the investment, whether it's for long-term rentals, short-term rentals, uh, renovation projects, new builds, etc., how does all of that play into the loan process? And that then led us off to uh, riff a bit about the logistical differences between short-term stays, monthly stays, long-term stays, um, fixed versus renewable leases, and how investment yields compare between all of those, as well as how yields compare between new and second-hand properties. Oh, and there's also a bit about uh, Matt and his goats, which is always a super popular topic. So enjoy the conversation. Don't forget to grab your tickets for the second Japan Real Estate Summit on 22nd October 2023, if you haven't already done that as soon as you heard me mention it. And I will see you again on the other side. All right. Japan Real Estate Experts panel is back in session. And uh, we were just talking before we went live uh, about the fact that um, as Many of you may be listening to the podcast for a while. No, I'm really not a big fan of debt and mortgages and so forth. But after purchasing cash only in Japan for the last decade, we've decided personally, Chikako and I have decided to apply for a mortgage and see if we get lucky. And we just got approved. And I Yay! was just saying, yeah. So this was an investment loan for a investment property, which is um, something that a lot of people are always asking about. So we just started breaking down the details of why we got approved, which was a bit of a wonder for me. And Emil was just um, diving into the explanation of how that's assessed. So please carry on from that point, mate. Yeah, um, yeah I think we have a different perspective. I 
love leveraging um and i think it's great with low interest rates which is why i love real estate in japan and real estate is a financial asset in general because of the leverage that's easily done um when you hire when you apply a certain before as for a investment loan as an individual they really assess based on your employment income and your borrowing capacity but when you have a company and that company's main business is real estate investment they assess it slightly differently one yeah it is you know how much the business operates and that it's viable but when they look at the property itself they want to see how much of the can the forecast um rental return cover the monthly costs and that's one of the big factors that they look at not so much your income as an individual they're assessing so now not the collateral in the sense of the value of the property but collateral in the sense of an income stream that would definitely cover the loan repayments sure so let's say the forecast um rental return is 300,000 yen a month for if you have a building or whatnot 300,000 yen a month they'll kind of loan you up to what an investment loan that will the the rental which their sorry the monthly repayments will be approximately under 300,000 yen per month um there are some other factors but that's more how they analyze it and that's based on like a 25 year term is investment loans are generally 20 to 25 years for um businesses and the interest rate will be around the 2.8 percent depends on where you go but yeah about 2.8 percent or so um and anywhere from 20 to 40 percent down payments that's what uh, you did Steve. you said you got 20 20 down yeah we we're paying 20 percent down i Plus don't closing. remember the interest rate and the term of the loan but that does sound about yeah. right but that illustrates a really a really significant i think a really significant uh frame of mind that's very different in Japan as opposed to the rest of the world, especially the Western world. Because if you think about it, the way collateral is evaluated in most other countries other than Japan is, okay, well, let's see, if we have to foreclose on this property, let's see how much we're going to get if we have to resell it and can we cover our costs and everything of that sort, right? That's the bank's way of thinking. Whereas here, they're not thinking litigation and foreclosure. They're thinking, will this person actually make payments, right? Yeah. And and how many units is it that are in, in the building? How many years? How many units? How many doors? Um, you know, I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. We applied for it a couple of months ago and I'm just um I'm stoked that we got it, but I haven't actually looked at the deal again. So I'll have to get back to you. But it's um the loan is for about a hundred million yen, which is about a bit less than a million US and it's a brand new building here in Fukuoka city that's going to be concluded in June this year from memory. And it all regular Chintai? It will be regular Chintai, I think, unless we get, you know, adventurous down the track, but uh, first off we'll want to test it um, as long-term rentals and see how we go. Tracy yeah. wants to open an office down in Fukuoka. To no, well, no, the thing <laughs> is it, for a brand new building, the maximum rate you're going to get is well, when it's very new and shiny um yeah, and exactly. so um you know it was always surprising to me when I was showing people real estate and and I'd you know show you know a couple around and say okay for rental it's like well for so many you know a hundred thousand a month you'll get something that's that that's this size but for the same amount of money if it's brand new you'll get something half the size and 
probably nine times out of ten, people would choose the the smaller but brand new. And to me, yep. from my sensibilities, it was just it just blew my mind because Japan loves new stuff. But you're new absolutely and shiny, right. Yeah, that, mm. that's what we're thinking too. We're thinking at least for the first five to ten years, let's maximize yep. the long term rental income that we sure. can get from it, and then start so much to less get work. more creative. Yeah. We're also thinking because we're growing, we're constantly. Um, recruiting new staff we're already renting another office in another floor in the building and that's getting cramped as well so whether it's going to be this building or another building but at some point we are thinking of a combination uh half like home loan terms right half that we will use maybe live on the top floors and the bottom will be the office kind of thing so whether it's going to be this one repurposed or another one i don't know yet Mm. And what were you saying, Emil, about the guy in your neighborhood that goes around a little posty bike? Tell that story. <laughs> he's not the guy in the neighborhood. He's, he's my bank, my banker. Yeah, um, so, banker. Yeah, <laughs> my, yeah, so I I have an account with a small with a local um, credit union, and so in order to build a relationship, it was like someone else uh, like um, recommend suggested this rather than just. Um, you know, you have the account and then never engage with the bank again. It's all done online or whatnot. If you um, do, like with this particular bank, if you do a monthly term deposit, like a 12-month term deposit savings account, where you give them like 10,000 yen each month at a higher interest rate of like 0.01. So I literally <laughs> put 10,000 yen a month for 12 months, it gets to 120,000 yen, and I have one yen is the interest <laughs> that's what I see on our statements as well. Like keep saying, oh, three yen this month. Wow, yeah. look at the interest rate. But, but this is a term deposit. So he comes around on his scooter, one of the posty bikes, the little, um, you know, the Cub 50cc posty bikes. Once a month, he'll like, give me a call. Oh, Emil, you know, I'm, I'm in the area. He'll come and I'll give him the 10,000 yen. He stamps and we have a chat in, in, our, in, our, in my gang car. They just the house for about 20, 30 oh, minutes. Awesome. <laughs> and, but it's it's really good because it works because then I've seen them now for you know a few years every month for a few years we talk about you know kids like he started jujitsu as well so we talk about jujitsu and or he just started to like asking about gi sizes I get my jujitsu gi he tries it on to understand size we have a pretty good relationship so when I was also looking to buy a um a investment property in, in Shibuya like uh, a few months ago I found a, a pretty good deal that I thought and I was offering some clients i'm saying i found this really good one um i thought well, you know what maybe i should try as well so i tried for it and so he'd come and give me the documentation we'd discuss and he'd take it back and then look emil i've got something to i want to discuss some more info with you he'll just ride his scooter up to my house and and talk about it so um it, and it didn't go through i didn't get the financing terms that i wanted but we did discuss this situation in a lot of detail when you want to give a business loan versus an individual loan and we went through it in yeah, um, you know, I, I basically wanted a bit more money than what they offered me. And they said, yeah, because of the way the, the rental is, we can't increase it. That's sort of the cap. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really interesting uh, to learn through that particular process. One other cute thing about um, what they do is every time he comes over, like if it's year end, he'll have a calendar for the next year. Sometimes he's giving me some honey you know, different types mm -hmm. of like Argentina honey or, or different, always comes with something. Uh, quite often it's glad wrap, cling wrap, <laughs> a roll. Um, or sometimes it's, uh, I think for New Year, he gave me like a, a toothbrush and, and, you know, the gum mouthwash kit, which is all like 
nothing too fancy and always like what the hell is this but very useful because it's like yeah just ordinary stuff that we use all all the time so yeah that's my banker in in tokyo he I think the, people okay. don't often don't appreciate if they haven't lived here they don't appreciate how personal business can be here and how like our insurance agent comes to our office and a lot of it is the paper nature of japan right they come to collect stamps and collect cash and collect little things that they always exchange physically rather than electronically still to this day mm -hmm. but it creates a really intimate relationship with all of these service providers right and um, I'm I'm extremely shameless in that I used my son as a prop when I was getting my mortgage um, because, you know, my husband and I, we're both Australian. And uh, so a lot of people question why we live in Japan or why we choose to live in Japan for so long. And my son, you know, and this was sort of six, six, six seven years ago, was sort of grade two. Um, and he's graduating next week, by the way, from, from yeah, elementary school. Um, and uh, so the bank manager came over, obviously, to see us and, you know, I'm guessing to look at the house and make sure that we weren't sort of sacrificing chickens in the laundry, that type of thing. And um, so we're sitting at the at the dining table and my son's doing his homework and I said, get your kanji homework out. So mm -hmm. I'm there helping him, like, with his, with his kanji learning um, in front of, you know, some fairly parochial bank. Have no fear about my Japanese, Mr. Bank Manager. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, because, you know, here we are, we're we're here by choice and and our son is going to Japanese school and learning Japanese and, um, you know, aren't we, aren't we good people? So it was... Um, they came here, um, I think, last week or a couple of weeks ago, just like as the final stage of uh, approving the mortgage, they called and said, can we come now? And clearly, like, you know, Check they want to see it's a real company right. and not someone's garage. So they come in and it was actually the most opportune moment because Chikako was the busy Shacho out in meetings. I was sitting here with our two staffers. There was one more upstairs. So he virtually just stuck his head in the door. He saw the folders, the printer, the two people working. It's like, and I go like, Kaisha desu. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to check it's it's real. Yeah, so it's not all about the numbers; it's about the uh, about the image as well. So it's good, good advice. If you think you're you're on the line for, um, you know, because you know, as as self employed people, we we were kind of an odd um, an odd prospect for a bank. So um, this and sort foreigners, of right? took yeah. us took us over the line. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, Ziv, what are the kind of you know we often you know a lot of properties that you like showing that load your clients buy. You mentioned before. Um, you know, about 15 to 25 or 20 to 30 year age is sort of the sweet spot where you have it. It's it's kind of already depreciated a fair bit and but still gets a good rental yield. Now you're looking at a brand new building. How do the numbers sort of compare and what attracted you to that particular offering versus similarly a 20-year-old kind of property? Well, first of all, we're in Fukuoka, so we get for a brand new building what you guys get for a secondhand 30-year-old building in a central location. Um, and this one is... Okay. you guys. <laughs> you you to Tokyoites. <laughs> um, this one is also quite suburban, but next in line for urban rejuvenation kind of suburban. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, the train station just before that has already 
been through its project and people have moved in there because everything else was too expensive in the city. So this is next in line in the next decade or one. Hmm. Um, and we also don't have, because we don't need us, we also don't have the overhead of hiring somebody with added purchase costs and added management costs. So while the numbers might not have worked for our customers, they definitely work well for us. And also we wouldn't have considered it unless there was a mortgage involved, which again, our customers are almost primarily cash buyers. So this, I, I don't know too many customers that would put down that much in cash rather than spread it over a few assets and a few investments, right? So the mortgage definitely played a huge part and obviously cash on cash, it's even higher on the yield. Great. Is there an elevator? Um, I'm going to have to defer to, uh, I'll get back to you on that one again. Well, we don't know that much about this property, do you? I did when she showed it to me and then it kind of what slipped my buy? mind because I didn't think we'd even qualify and now it suddenly come back to haunt me again. I'll, I'll get into all of that and let you know. So, But you know what? I saw a meme when we were about five years into NTI, I saw a meme from somebody making fun of their spouse because she forgot the address of the investment property that they just bought or something. And like, how can you forget the address of your investment? Like, man, when you're managing 200 properties, you forget addresses, you forget numbers, you forget for your own stuff. But I, I might forget that, but I never, like, I can, I can recognize a house on their photo anytime. So, you know, sometimes yeah. I've seen a house, all the photos of a house, and then someone else has shown it to me like three years later. And I've seen that house. I've been into that yeah. house. So yeah, I'll never forget a floor plan or a or a house. So I, I get that as well. But at the same time, like, you know, I can do 10 plus viewings in a day. And so <laughs> yeah, the, 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 when you have sheer, sheer volume after a certain amount, they just yeah, end up mixing together. Yeah. yeah. And especially like with this one, it sounds like maybe he there's a bunch of investment properties he looked at and he sort of said, Yeah, okay, with one of them, but that was it. You've never it's just a plan and one of the plans you saw you know several months ago so it's hard to really recall especially if chica's it's, it's, it's also me i mean i don't i don't have organic matter memory my memory is purely electronical everything that i need to remember sits in a file somewhere i wouldn't even presume to remember anything i was throwing myself. you a lifeline man i'll throw you <laughs> is it it's like a sign of a misspent youth Ziv? um I, I you can call it misspent i i, I consider it time well invested but yeah <laughs> Uh, I want to ask yeah. Matt. Yeah, how are you, Matt? Matt, Matt no, well, no, how is he? What's behind? They look like artwork that you've blurred out. Oh, yeah, we made these. This I mean, sitting in the Colosseum or what? Yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on. It's funky, uh, like three, like one painting that's got to cut up into three. Like, say, yeah, no, so we, yeah, we just made these. This is not. This is not fine art. This is. Well, this is art nice though. It's nice. Tripty. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it should be. The, it reminds me of like my other night out. Um, uh, just title it a big night out. <laughs> well it's more or less i mean we just had a really big food right and we got some gold ink and just like did this on this background so yeah thank you everybody likes it but you have to spend that much money on art to make people think that it's good art Where are <laughs> I, don't you? Know, I don't know why it was blurred out it was yeah keep it up there it's good yeah right yeah no this is our office uh first floor of our office in Almonte Sando. so okay I didn't know you were in a Mossando. We're just down the road. Are you just down the road? I'm in Kitasando. Mm. Me too. I'm kidding. Yeah, we're in Kita Aoyama. Right behind uh -huh. the Gucci building. Hmm? Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Gucci building. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. I know yeah, what you're yeah. yeah. So I guess we are kind of close. How about that? So, I'm so about back, like back <laughs> to, uh, two years to figure it out, but <laughs> Matt, back to uh, mortgages. Now that we've got, hopefully, we'll have in a couple of years' time or a year's time, we're going to have a working, profitable relationship with a bank that's willing to give us mortgages. And mm-hmm. um, Chicago is deeply, deeply into rural cominka goats rejuvenation projects. So hopefully, we will be able to also borrow for some more exciting project out in your um, neck of one of your necks of the woods yeah i mean no i I think what you're doing is actually a big part of the equation is that you know right now banks don't see the value in making investments in kominka or not just basically any rural investment right Mm. Um, but you know it's up until here to four it's kind of been okay let's jump from city big money investments to crazy, we don't know what the hell is going on type of things. And mm. honestly, I can't blame the banks for not wanting to invest in that. Like it's it's risky. It's not calculated risk. It's uncalculated. It's, it's risk. But it, it all comes down to the jockey and the horse again, right? Like if the horse looks like it might be a bit lame and crazy, but the jockey looks like he's done similar things before, then maybe I bank on the jockey, right? Yeah, it's that, and again, you know, it's it's all about that, like you said, you know, balance, right? If if you're looking at one part of the equation saying, oh, that's a little bit, maybe not so much, but on the other end of it, okay, here's this experienced manager, you know, whatever other thing that sort of balances the negatives out, you know, then that's something that maybe from an investor's point of view would make sense in their head. And that's what we deal with right now. But from, again, the financing point of view, from the bank's point of view, it it's just a non-starter at like a complete non-starter. However, if somebody like yourself, Ziv, is making the moves that you're doing with the reputation that you have, the history that you have, the successes that you have coming from, you know, the things that banks want to invest and they have that trust and they see you making those step-by-step-by-step moves out towards the type of industry or the type of um, market that we work with, then that might pull them sort of out of their comfort zone into new areas, which I think would be, I mean, I want that to happen. Absolutely. The fact that they've approved a mortgage for a company that deals 100% with foreign clientele and foreign remittances into and out of Japan is already mind-blowing for me. I mean, Every time we walk into a bank in Japan, the money laundering thing is the first thing that comes up. Oh, <laughs> foreigners, money overseas. No, 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 no. And yeah, so we're, we're very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say, though, so I, I know it's, it's easy to bash on banks. Um, I like almost all of my deals are financing and we deal a lot with the banks. The, and I... Our loan officers, I have their mobile phone numbers. I call them directly and to discuss, you know, what they come and bring you yogurt and little. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's it. But I'm talking like, you know, the SMBC guy or the Miserable yeah. donor guys, right? And they they want to give you the deal. They want to issue loans. That's their job. At the mortgage centers, their job is to issue loans, not reject them. So they try as best they can to actually make the deal work, right? They want to give the loan. That's that, That's how they hit their targets. So what, like when they make these assessments, it's kind of, you know, even though what you're saying, oh, they, like you have, you're doing, um, you know, these overseas transactions and whatnot, they don't think you're blacklisted. As long as you answer them and they can check the box that we've, we checked, we've done our due diligence, you know, we've checked it. 
is he sending to you know some blacklisted country? What is it for? Check the box. We've done our due diligence. We've done the, you know, we've asked them. They've said this that yes, it's to remit funds to a client who owns a property here, and here is a a shot of the title of the property, the rental contract, and um, the the client's name. Whoever it's a real deal that they know how to evaluate. It's, yeah, it's very very real. We get the same thing with you know if it's a foreign buyer when they want to transfer, you know, $100,000, $200,000 into Japan, the Japanese bank will actually ask, even if it's their own account in Japan, they, they lived here before, they have an account, then they're in the US right now, the Japanese bank will, will stop and say, please, what what is this for? And yeah. you have documentation. So often we prepare the, con we'll give them a copy of the contract and for the property and it will show overseas banks ask us the same thing when a customer remits funds to us either the foreign exchange provider or the customer's bank will want to see proof yeah. of what the funds are for it's not just a japanese thing yeah especially at those levels like you know if it's 10 exactly. bucks or whatever okay who cares but 100,000 200,000 like that's not chump change so they have their, you know kind of do what they're they're required to do that we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home-away-from-home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, Tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really, the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens. And they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy. Fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc., you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Nationwide. Um, and in addition, with in terms of the actual financing, you know, we mentioned a second ago that if you want to borrow for a building, they'll as a corporate loan, they'll start to look at how much is it going to make in rent or what's the forecast rent. And will that cover the mortgage repayment? And will the company's total assets be able to make this payment requirement comfortably? Um, and because it's a bit riskier, that's why they, unlike a 
regular home loan, they won't give 100% financing. They want you to put 20, 30, 40% in. So if it does default, they can sell it at worst a 20% discount. Yeah. Right? And that should be a lot easier to do. And it makes it harder for you to walk away, whereas you wouldn't most likely would not walk away from a home loan. Precisely. Um, and also the repayment amount. The It's sometimes with something of that size in a brand new building, the full mortgage, sorry, the, the rental yield is not enough to cover 100% of the mortgage, right? That's why they'll say you want 20%, 30 40% down in order to reduce the borrowing amount so that as long as you can cover the the, the mortgage payments from the rent, that's how they'll look at it. There's two, there's an important thing to note. A lot of banks will have their internal approval limits. So within the branch, they can say, we approve up to 50 million. Oh yeah, we had that with one customer. They had yeah. to send it back to headquarters because it was over what they could do it there. Yeah, exactly. And once it's beyond that, then it needs to go to to other to the and then to, it's a whole different process of approvals or rejections by the way headquarters have different criteria often it, it yeah it, exactly and headquarters are more strict with the numbers it's yeah. a local branch that will have that good look we know your relationship we want to make it happen and and you know my like for example in my case my little uh moped moped guy yeah um, he, he speaks to his branch manager and says yeah you know i've been dealing with him for you know three years four years and this is what he wants to do. And they say, okay, up to 40 million, 50 million yen based on his little project. It meets the numbers and we can just approve it at, at our branch level. If I'm looking for 60 or 50 plus, they need to go to head office and head office will do more st stricter assessment of the property. So their valuation of the property will be stricter and their critique of the numbers and of the business will be less informed and without really the relationship that we have. Um, if you're a high net worth individual and you're looking at, you know, properties $2 million plus, they they treat you a little bit different. But apart from that. Is that what it is? I thought I was, okay, so we're half halfway to being a high yeah, net worth right. individual. Right, give it another 10 years. Well, you know, well maybe five exponential growth and whatnot. Well, well, one of our banks was like, look, if you have, um, you know, individuals that earn 20 million yen, so what, $200,000 plus, and that's like their, just their salaried income. Yeah, that one I've heard of, yeah. Yeah, that's like, they, they like those kind of clients and they get a little bit even better treatment. It will be interesting to see though, with the second loan, if we do get a bit more creative, whether it's short-term stays, like as a as a declared purpose from the get-go, short-term stays, and then you buy the right property for that, or it's some coming kind of countryside that's going to be a local or or you know prefectural business or whatever the case may be, it'll be interesting to see how that relationship can be further leveraged. We always talk about it with people, but I've never been through the process myself, so mm -hmm. it's very interesting. From uh, my oh, go ahead, Tracy. Go I was just saying, Mizuho, Mizuho at one point were was saying that they were doing specific short term rental, like you know, properties okay. with the with the view. But that was that was five or so years ago. I haven't looked at it. Pre, pre regulation, probably. Pre regulation, pre COVID, probably. <laughs> Definitely pre COVID. So I haven't looked at it recently. I don't know if it, that's still a product that they offer. But they did, you know, they did have a a partnership with you know Airbnb or Airbnb were. We're saying that oh look at all these deals that we've done. It was just the usual dog and pony show of all the 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 people that had partnered up. But um, whether that had actually contributed to the addition, like to purchasing a short term rental, I don't know. Yeah, just listing a bunch of names of organizations that said, yeah, it's a good idea. 
It, that's that's <laughs> the standard dog and pony show. Yeah. Mm. It was interesting to see Emil the um, the bank the the not the bank I think the uh, subsidiary of the bank that you work with on the non-resident investment loans. Um, oh, yeah. They've dropped the requirement to work with an appointed property manager. So they're still requesting that you don't use the property for anything but long-term uh, tenancies but you are free to choose your own property manager. So they've gotten a bit less strict, I think, recently. Uh, okay. I, I, I... They're, not, they're not assigning a property manager, but you still have to have... They the used property. to force you, like you, we designate for the lifetime of the loan, we will tell you which property manager to use to make sure you're not pulling any funny business with the property. Right, right. Okay, no, that's I support that. When you first said that, it sounded like, oh, you just don't need a property manager anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Realistically, most of you know my clients that are doing this thing, they don't want to deal with it. They don't, like, a lot of them aren't even really overly fussed with the short-term stay kind of thing, unless it's, you know, Tracy, it's their personal home. And just in the breaks, they don't want it to be dead money. So short-term makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But straight up, especially with the way, you know, the short-term stay market it's has a hassle. regulated. It's a hassle. Yeah. They're buying with the idea of just a long-term you know, they're real estate investors. They want the, you know, it's not just the ROI, but it's in order to Set make them forget. Yeah. less involved and more scalable, then mm-hmm. yeah, that's... Yeah, but the thing is that that particular lender doesn't want to lend outside of super central Tokyo, which yeah. makes anything but short-term stays not really <laughs> profitable. No. But the thing is that I think anyone that's looking to do investment should should, you know, not necessarily you know, uh, bank on the short-term rental, like, rate, like you know, the 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 difference when deciding whether or not something's a good deal or not. I think it's got to pay its way at long-term rental prices. And then Absolutely. the short, and then the, it's like, if, if, the, if the deal is going to make its money on long-term, that's great. That's uh, interesting. And then you just, you know, the short-term rental, uh, like, balance is the, is the, is the profit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, it's totally anyone that's totally. sort of banking on that that short-term rental um because it's a lot of work it's not it's a different it's a because you've got to have a whole infrastructure around to actually get those really high those high returns and it's also the the fallback the emergency fallback right exactly. we've seen as, as yeah. soon as covid hit all of our customers were doing well we don't do really airbnb and short-term stays but everybody who was doing monthly rental was like okay let's look for a long-term tenant yeah, it, exactly. it's not even a, a question right mm-hmm. yeah Oh, we went to midterm stays, so you know, um, we because there's you know obviously midterm, short term, midterm, and long term. We went to midterm furnished stays. Um, mm. That's the only way that we we were able to stay in business. Tracy, mm. there's an interesting property which I, which we, we just sold to, basically since the seminar. We've been really busy at the start of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been working on sort of building the pipeline. So um, just just today we're doing sort of the we just got another call, but we've got like two contracts basically planned for this Sunday. We had one two weeks ago. Um, so just crazy with sales. But one of the properties was a, a tower mansion in Shinjuku. I think I mentioned it the other day. And yes, is, you did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the bank gave great financing. It's 92 and a half million yen for the property. They come back with, I think, 97 or 99 million yen. So 100% of the fine, like of the closing costs are also in the loan. And our client is like, you know, 500 bucks out of pocket. 50,000 yen out of pocket to close a deal on a 20 year old property. When we're going through the body, um, the the uh, homeowners rules, the building rules, it's spared very specifically no minpaku, yep. Airbnb, 
No monthly mansions. Oh, no monthly mansions. Very That's specifically, cute. very specifically worded, monthly mansions or um, serviced apartments. Ooh, that's new. Very specifically listed. And I have heard... But they are not legally allowed to forbid you from doing that. They can make it life difficult. They can be a pain in the bum, but they're not... I mean, they can write whatever they want in the in the bylaws. That part, they are not... I mean, they don't have the legal right to prohibit that. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know how far it will go on, but I do think people that are buying and they have that intention... Look, we... You know, Tracy and I have really dealt with Airbnb before, and you don't want to just be in the sort of you know shady area and have right. to deal with. I'm going to be secret and hiding from the neighbors. The oh, no, 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 that's yeah. not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying for monthly leases, and the the property managers that do or, or midterm, as Tracy calls it, the property managers that deal with this on a regular basis are aware of the fact that those kumiais, those owner unions don't like us, but they can't legally prohibit. So, I mean, there is an industry in place that works around those kumiais. It's not like with the minpaku where they can legally say you're not allowed to do that. So. Yeah. yeah, but uh, just because you can work around it, I'd rather think, yeah, oh, it's, it's painful. It's, it's, Absolutely. It's an, an additional layer, of, additional layer of, of yuck that you that's, don't want to just outsource. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's we're more of us the we, ones dealing. We're not the ones getting calls from the Kumi. Tracy is the one dealing with it. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> with with rural municipalities is you know there might be a culture of oh we really don't like you or want you to come in or you know whatever. You can legally do it. That doesn't mean that you're going to have a good time. So yeah, look for another place that's just look, easy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like Tracy, I absolutely love your pencil house, your property that your your Airbnb property you have. Just having stayed in it ourselves, it's amazing. It's an awesome property. When when I saw that location, I'm like, it's like it's not going to hassle the neighbors one bit. It is perfect for the short term stay for Ziv. Like, <laughs> no, but it's on the, it's on that Ziv. block. It's on the block though. I don't know. Did you? If, you get Zoe's newsletter, like the property. Oh, the block that's going to be demolished. Yes, it's on that block. And we've already been getting, um, there's already been stuff going through the mailbox of like, we've got to stand our ground, you know, we can't. Well, you're going to get go. a nice little payout though, aren't you? Well, we did have to check because this is a chintai. So this is a regular, this is a rental arbitrage deal. So we rent from an owner and the it, he took a long time to do the last course shin, to do the last renewal. And because they wanted to make some changes on the contract and we're going, oh, okay, let's just, because we knew that this was going to happen. And um, so we just wanted to make sure that there was nothing going in the contract, in the new contract that actually gave us a time limit or what was going to change the tenant's rights part of it. Um, and we, you know, we did go through it with a fine tooth comb, and there was one line that was changed, and it's not going to affect our tenants' rights. So, if you want, you can send it through to me, and I'll have a quick scan as well because I'm, I'm always dealing with these contracts. So I can sort yeah. of see. Well, I can show you the old version and the new version. Um, but they took forever because, like, we thought, hang on, we're up for like this house is being renewed, and like normally they knock on your door pretty quick, going, "Oh, can we? Can you pay us, please, for the renewal fee?" And it, they took a long time, and then finally it came through. And the dates were wrong, and you know we had to go back and forth a little bit. So that's, I think just, they were just slack, to be honest. That's, look, that happens so much. When I was had the Airbnb properties, 
and I was doing it in the rental arbitrage. So many of the deal of the renewals come after the renewal date. It's like three, four months yes. after. Three pay, months. Pay, the, mm. pay the fire insurance and all this. Yeah. So that's, don't think that was them trying to work out how to modify the contract. Generally, the renewals, um, with an explanation to listeners, with rental contracts and what we're talking about here, in Japan, rental agreements are very, very strong. There's two types of contracts. And this is actually really important for investors as well to know. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Two types of leases in Japan, the regular lease and the fixed-term lease. Fixed-term lease. Mm-hmm. Both of them are generally two years. The fixed-term lease, which is which is less common, is... For example, like it'll be two years or three years, sometimes even five years. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, cannot be renewed. It's it's not renewed. It's not renewable. The owner may renegotiate a new lease, but it does not automatically renew, and you are not entitled to automatic renewal. So often owners who do this are ones that think, look, let's say, for example, I want to leave my house and I'm going to come back in two years. I'm going to, I'm relocated for work in another country, I want to come back in two years. So in that case, I'll do that two-year lease. Or if I'm thinking, you know what, I'm probably going to sell this property in a few years. It's on my mind. I might put a two or three-year fixed-term lease. So when that's up, I can reconsider. Maybe when at three years' time, when it's finished, um, I'm not ready to sell yet. I don't really care about selling. My situation has changed. So I will will offer the tenant another two or three-year fixed-term lease. Thinking I may uh, yeah. push it down the line, uh, the line of when I'm going to want to sell the property, or maybe if you know if my my son is, oh, in three years' time he's going to be you know graduating university and going to need his own place, so I want him to live in this apartment I have in downtown Azabu. Maybe that's another reason for a short-term lease. Mm. We had but- one where the owner was wanting to. Um- just sort of rented out until because it was kind of ready to be knocked down a little bit you know the the, the floors were a bit you know skewy um and and they said oh it's only a two year and i said well that took us that was ages ago and that took us up to um you know about six months before the olympics and because i was just renting anything i could for the olympics um i said well no can we you know can we sort of keep this until sort of november 2020 and um and the, the people went, oh, okay. So we rented until until then, but we we let it go early, of course, when yeah. when the shit hit the fan. Oh, when yeah, when oh. when the gates closed. The fan on YouTube. Let's bleep that out in the edit. Ziv. Um, and now <laughs> the, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, the the more uh, the more um, common lease is the the regular lease, uh, the the futsu they call it, which is just a standard lease. It's a two year lease with renewal with like basically automatic renewal. And that one, it's basically not possible to cancel or to reject the renewal. And it's also not really possible to increase the rent. So you have no real recourse in doing that. If the, you can ask to increase the rent or you can say, we're not gonna renew it. But if the tenant just pays a renewal fee and keeps paying their monthly rent, you're not going to be able to evict them. So even if you sent a renewal saying, hey, this renewal form, uh, instead of 100,000 yen a month, I want 105, 110,000, they can ignore it and just continue paying the, uh, like pay the one month renewal fee at the existing rate and continue paying the 100,000 yen a month and you can't evict them. 
yeah what about the what about it when they if they do want you out there isn't there a clause that says if they give you six months notice that then then they're not going to renew if they end up taking you to court over that they do have a legal leg to stand on we had a whole episode of that um, where we discussed that i mean but Japanese tenants would not be confrontational about it. Everyone that we've ever notified by letter that we're asking not to renew has just moved out. But obviously, we will be compensating them because moving in and out in Japan is expensive. expensive so yeah. you give them about a year's worth of rent and then they move out. But generally, when we look at um, any properties that someone wants to buy, if it's tenanted and it's a regular lease, not a fixed term lease. Don't go there if you want to use it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the assumption is they're going to stay there forever. You cannot say, oh, as soon as they move, I'm going to renovate it and flip it. Or as soon as they leave, I'm going to renovate it and um, put uh, increase the rents or whatever it is, or it's underpriced, I'm going to do it. No, you, you assume that that person is going to stay there forever. There have been some rental properties I've looked at and the tenants have been there for 14, 18, 16, 18 years, right? At the same point. That's like you know a little bit cheaper than what it was in the past than what it is. Actually, it used to be a lot higher if they moved in uh, pre-bubble days. We've got a few of those too. But Tr Tracy, I think you had to go in two minutes. You said yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, I have a yes. I'm um, seeing a man about a dog. So <laughs> oh, sounds interesting. <laughs> seeing a man about a goat. <laughs> seeing a man about a goat. Oh, I have not told he's you about the, terrifying, just grotesque goat story. It's very sad. Very, very sad. Okay, Maybe you have to tell the story now. You've got two minutes. It Well, so one, one of our billies, uh, we moved all of the goats to a different farm. And on that farm, we were constructing new fences. So prior to the fences being built, though, they kind of had free range, right? Minus the fact that we had them on a lead, but they could go to the extent of the lead. And so one of our billies ended up wrapping one of the does in the rope and more or less squeezing them to death. Oh, and, and like it was not not a pretty sight at all. And that was my that was Bambi. He killed Bambi. Bambi was my favorite. Um, I'm so Why sorry. Bambi? Yeah, it was Bambi you know, like, and for King. Wall kind of kind of wow. situation. Oh no! Oh, Matt Ashley Harvey, I met yesterday. Said he just met oh, you. I didn't know you. Yeah, Ashley's a great guy. In fact, reminding me, I need to get back to him. We're supposed to get drinks uh, sometime soon. Matt went to barbecue. Uh, actually, I'm negotiating that right now, so maybe sometime soon. Okay, cool. I need some euros. All right, release Tracy. Um, one release one Tracy. last thing to say that um, I, people, the the guy that we had on our channel. Uh, a while back, Anton, the um, the the guy with the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, he just finished his renovating his house. He's finished Renos, um, and I'm, I'm hoping. To, I'm we hoping will link to, to that episode again him, in the show notes. I'm hoping to have him, uh, his place on my um, uh, to to rent through Tokyo Family Stays. So killer, awesome, and it's Congrats. it's it's nice. I mean, I've got to come in there and you know give him a few tips. And oh wait, wait, wait. So know. can we do can we do a reality show with you <gasps> walking in there? With you walking in there and telling him, okay, we're going to put this over here. We're going to advertise for like doing your thing. Absolutely, that sounds like great. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, I'll I'll get some I'll get some B roll. So and some um, we can also involve Emil with his uh, mobile D Rock, who can maybe come there and tell oh, him how yes. much it would fetch on the open market. And he's 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 in he's in Thailand right now. A holiday. Oh, get your banker, get your banker guy over there. A holiday within a holiday. 
<laughs> um, Inception style. So let's. Uh... <laughs> All right, because because isn't he supposed to be your cameraman? Supposed to be a cameraman. Yeah, oh, I got all the camera gear that. If you want to do this, let's talk. I've got the gear. Yeah, okay. please, please, please. Let's do that. Let's I'm, do that. I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to do like the reality TV for like, you know, just my day to day. Um, so he's going to do that. And now I'm looking for a social media person online that I might have to hire like full time. I want to crank out. So, yeah. Okay. I've got all the cameras, all the mics, all the lighting, and everything that we need to do at least a version one of this. It's not going to be perfect, but it's better than nothing and waiting a long time to get it done. So, Let's do it. That sounds like fun. Yes. Emil, don't be shy to start with someone part-time who might expand into the role as you grow yes. with them. That's what we've been doing, and it's been working well. Yeah, so there'll be a balance. But, yeah, I need lots of hours. <laughs> I think yeah. Yeah, there's lots I want to do. All right, all right. I have to go. Um, yep. Great to see you all. Good. See you next Thank you. Same time um, next week, gentlemen. Yep. See you, see you soon. Looking great. Bye, Tracy. <laughs> Stop recording. All right. Interesting topic, I hope, for many of you. I know we definitely get uh, regularly asked about it, so it was great to be able to dig deeper into the investment loan process on this occasion, and we'll probably do that again in the near future as well. And again, super excited to seeing you all, or at least many of you, in person at our Japan Real Estate Summit coming at the end of this month, Sunday, October 22nd in Shibuya, Tokyo. Don't forget to grab your tickets before they run out on realestate.jp. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!